Welcome to Growing in Grace with Pastor Victor Morrison. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas. We are praying that God will bless you as you listen to this message. If you would like additional information on worship times and ministries at FBC Columbus, you can find out more at our website, fbccolumbustx.org. And now, take your copy of God's Timeless Word as Pastor Victor gives today's message. Welcome to Growing Grace. I'm uh, Victor Morrison, pastor at First Baptist Church in Columbus, Texas. So glad to have this time that we can uh, gather together around God's Word and share some thoughts with you. Today, I want to talk about uh, living for Christ in the workplace. You know, I definitely believe that living for Jesus makes such a difference in whatever God has called us to do. But from time to time, we lose our motivation. We lose our enthusiasm about our job. Uh, have you ever lost the whistle? What was it in the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? They used to sing uh, Snow White sang about whistle while you work. Uh, remember when the Seven Dwarfs, I don't know if they were going to work or coming back from work, but I think they were going to work, but they sang a song, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go. But maybe that's not your song. Maybe you're singing, oh no, oh no, it's off to work I go. Maybe you really dread what's going on in your life right now. I just wanted you to realize that actually the history of that song, both the hi-ho and um, whistle while you work, those songs were written to connect with the American people and what they were going through in 1937 and 1938 when that film came out, they were going through a recession. And little did um, Frank Churchill and Larry Morey uh, realize that whenever that song debuted, uh, both of them, uh, two million people that day lost their jobs. And so those songs encouraged people to overcome tremendous hardships. So I'm praying that Colossians 3, verse 22, down through chapter 4, in verse 1, that this will also be used of the Lord to encourage you in whatever it is that is giving you a difficult time at work. I want to try to put the whistle back into your work. So if you'll uh, look with me, if you have a copy of God's Word, if not, just listen, because I'm going to read it, starting with Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord, whatever you do, work heartily. As for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. I want to give you uh, seven different notes, I guess you could say. If we're going to put the whistle back into your work, then let's compare it to notes. I uh, read where most Western music is based on either major or minor scales, and they use seven notes, whether it's uh, 
those notes are whole steps or half steps apart. But uh, anyway, I wanted you to hear these seven different notes that are being played for us, and hopefully you'll be whistling along when you go back to work. Here's the thing I wanted to share. Uh, The first one is, verse 22 tells us that we should do our work conscientiously, conscientiously. In other words, we're going to do it diligently. We want to do it right. That's why he starts out here saying, bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers. And so I got to thinking about that and I thought, okay, so help us to do that, Lord. Help us to realize that we are under a supervisor for a reason. You know, I believe that authority is something that God wants us to learn how to relate to. And so we need to learn how to say, okay, I'm not the boss. I'm not the owner. And so they have a right to tell me what they expect me to do uh, during my day. But then I also thought how I can't pick and choose on what they assigned to me. I have to say, okay, I will do it. And notice how how comprehensive it is. He says, bond servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. So those who are in authority, we should say, okay, I want to be inclusive of all that they said. And I think it's also a matter of integrity. You see, he says, not with eye service, not while, you know, the boss is standing there looking at you, then you're working so hard. I bet he's really glad to have you on on his staff or really glad to have you in his plant, wherever you work or in his company. But here's the thing. I should say, even when people aren't watching, I'm still going to give a good quality uh, day's work. You know, I think that um, Joseph in the Old Testament is a great example for that. You know, Joseph was diligent. He was diligent when he worked for Potiphar. He was diligent when he worked for a prison warden. He was diligent when he worked for the Pharaoh of Egypt. Are we diligent? Are we conscientious in what we do? Are we saying, I'm not doing this just for uh, when the boss is there, but I'm going to do it every day. You know, I got to thinking about why is this whole thing in here in God's word about servants and so forth? Well, it might be because there was a man named Onesimus who was from there. And so uh, Paul had met him. And so in another letter, Uh, called the letter to Philemon, he's writing, telling Philemon, hey, a runaway slave that used to work for you, I met him in prison. I led him to Christ. I've discipled him. And now I'm urging him to go back and to make things right. And whatever he owes you, I'll pay it. Isn't that incredible? But see, I think he was trying to help Onesimus to realize that as he goes through life, People need to be able to count on us when we say we're a Christian, that we're going to do all we can to work hard each and every day. We're going to be conscientious. But I think it's also important that we realize that we do it in sincerity of heart. So why don't we let that be our second note? Our first note is we're going to do our work conscientiously. But our second note is we're going to do our work sincerely. He says, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. 
I looked up the word sincerity there. You won't believe what it means. It means without a fold. In other words, there's not like something underneath the cloth that you're hiding. So a person who does their work with sincerity of heart is going to be single-hearted, no mixed motives. There's no pretense. It's an honest craftsman. It's somebody when they bring their car to you and you're a mechanic, you're not going to do something underhanded uh, to try to take advantage of a customer. So in other words, I got to thinking, what does it mean to do our work sincerely? It means to be real, to be honest, to be true. But notice there's another incentive here with this whole idea of sincerely. He says, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. So I need to remember that God is always watching me when I'm doing my work. And so I have no reason to feel shame if I'm doing my work sincerely from the heart, knowing that, hey, I'm doing my work not only real, I'm trying to be real, but I'm also trying to be reverent as I do this work for the Lord. I think if we do that, I think uh, the uh, employer or our supervisor, our boss, they're going to notice. But there's a third thing that I would add to that. Our third note is heartily. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to man. I like that. Do your work heartily. Do it sincerely, yes. Do it conscientiously, yes. But also do it heartily. You know, I'll never forget reading one time where this man was at SeaWorld and he saw some parrots. And instead of the parrots flying around, you know what the parrots were doing? The SeaWorld staff had strapped on some roller skates. And so these parrots were skating on the sidewalk. And so the man was saying, he thought it was so odd. But anyway, he, he said, you know, there's no question that the parrot can do it. But it just doesn't look like to me that the parrot is putting his heart into it. And so it's just kind of funny to think of how sometimes that's how people do their work. It's like, yeah, I'm just kind of checking the boxes. I'm trying to do what they're telling me to do. And that's it. My heart is not in this. I'm not able to do what I'm doing heartily. Well, I want to try to help you to see something. It says whatever you do. Did you see the diversity in that, whatever you do? It reminds me of a Stephen Curtis Chapman song that says, do everything. You know, regardless of what kind of job we do, you know what will take it up to another level is if we'll say, I'm going to do this job for God, for the glory of God. That's why I'm going to do it. And I think that's how we can do it heartily. That's where the dynamo will be found. That's why I think regardless of what kind of occupation, regardless of what kind of job we have, if we say, okay, God, I'm going to do this for you, I think that suddenly it changes the whole direction. No wonder he says, do it to the Lord and not to men. It's like now I'm going to do my job, whatever that may be, and I'm doing it for my Lord. Man, that's going to give definitely a lift in every day's work that I do. But I see a fourth note that we need to include in here, and that is to do our work expectantly, to do it expectantly. 
He says that the Christian should know that from the Lord, we will receive the reward of the inheritance for we serve the Lord Christ. Wow. You know, I think perhaps for a lot of people, one of the most satisfying things about work is payday. Do you look forward to payday? Wow. Those are really nice, aren't they? Well, how about for us in terms of our life? What's the payday? I think payday is not in this life. I think payday will come later when we stand before the Lord. And he says, you'll receive the reward of the inheritance. You see, I think that also takes our employment, our career, our job to a whole different level, to a higher ground. There's a song we used to sing a long time ago talking about I'm pressing on the, the, the way to higher ground. Well, I'm thinking about how he says, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the reward of the inheritance. You see, that's taking it to an eternal plane. That's high up there, isn't it? But then he also says, for you serve the Lord Christ. Have you ever considered that the way you do your work on the job is also an opportunity for you to bear witness to Christ? So not just an eternal plane, but an evangelical plane. And so how powerful is it to think, okay, I can do my work expectantly because at any moment, God may use my work performance to have an impact on someone that I work with that perhaps at another time, I'm going to lead them to Christ. They're going to be interested in hearing the gospel. Or I'm going to go to work expecting that God's going to reward me someday because I'm doing all my work for Him, for His honor, for His glory. I want to do it the way He would want me to do it. Man, I'm telling you, that will help you go to work expectantly. Have you ever read the third chapter of the Old Testament book of Nehemiah? You know, in Nehemiah, they were building a wall, right? A wall around Jerusalem. And there's a list in chapter three of 38 names. There are 42 different subgroups that all came together to work on that wall. Well, I'll never forget Dr. Roy Fish at Southwestern Seminary. He pointed that chapter out to us one time, and he said this. The context was evangelism. The context was ministry and serving the Lord and not knowing whether anybody ever noticed or not. Well, here's what he said. Heaven always keeps a record of work done for the Lord. That's why those 38 names of people I didn't know, I'll never know. Those people lived in history. Why should I be concerned about them? Oh, let me tell you, friend, we should be so excited that God put their name in his eternal word because it's an indication that he knows what we do and he doesn't forget. He's recording it. He's writing it down. And so everything that we do for him, for his glory, I think he's going to reward it. Wow. To me, that's powerful. That's incentive to say, what, I can go to work expecting something beyond my work schedule today. I think we can do our work also cautiously. We should do it cautiously and not just expectantly because yes, we can expect a reward if we do what is right. But what if we go to work and we steal things? 
Well, Aiken stole things. It wasn't exactly work, but it was a battle, and he was in the battle. But this man stole during the days of uh, Joshua. He stole things and hid them in his tent. You know, we should do our work cautiously because verse 25 warns us, but he who does wrong will be repaid for what he's done, and there is no partiality. And so that's why if I'm a Haman in the days of Esther and I'm working in the government, I should realize that, hey, I can't just choose to slaughter, you know, a whole race of people like Haman wanted to slaughter all the Jews. I can't just decide to do that and expect that God is going to reward me someday or look favorably upon my life. No, I think we need to be cautious in whatever kind of work that we, need, that we do, that we need to say, Lord, help me do it cautiously, knowing that what I do counts in your eyes. Well, let's move on to the last verse because I've got two more things. And this one, I guess, would be more appropriate for, let's say, supervisors. Or maybe if you're the CEO, you're the owner of a company, then perhaps you should really take seriously what is said in verse 1. So let me share it with you and then kind of break it into two parts. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So let's take the first part here. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair. Treat your bondservants justly and fairly. I was looking at that and I thought, what do those two words really mean? Justly and fairly. So I got to looking it up, and it means that uh, a supervisor should do what is right, and a supervisor should do what is equitable. In other words, I'm not going to play favorites out there. I mean, I'm not talking about rewarding people for diligence and so forth. I'm actually talking about something that goes far deeper, and that is respect and treating them as a human being and so forth. You know, uh, in the book of James... There's some similar type of warnings that are given to those who have people that work for them. But listen to what James says in James 5, verses uh, 4 through 6. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the, eye, the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Wow. So what these guys doing, they were abusing the authority that they had. But what we need to say is, Lord, help me not abuse my authority. Help me do what is right and honorable in your sight. Help me do what is equitable, what is fair, truly fair. You know, I'm so thankful for uh, places of business like the one of my favorite restaurants, uh, Chick-fil-A, uh, that was started by a man named Truett Cathy. You know, he had a saying that people are more important than profits, and he actually lived that out. I mean, he invested in so many of the uh, workers and employees that worked for him, but also in their families but someone wrote a book about Mr. Kathy and his biblical principles that he uh, lived out in the uh, workplace, and they called the name of the book, God is My 
CEO. Wow, I think that would be really important for every CEO to sort of recognize, especially if he's a Christian, to know that, wait a minute, I'm accountable too. You see, of course, those who are under us, under our authority, they are accountable, but let's not talk about accountability only. Let's also talk about integrity because the man not only under authority, but the man in authority is also held accountable for his integrity. So I would say, finally, the last note that we should play would be, do your work humbly. Do your work humbly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Did you notice that there's two different uh, references to master in this verse? Yeah, the one, the first reference has plural. Masters treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master, singular, in heaven. So I got to thinking about how important it is that we realize I will stand before God and God will hold me accountable for how I've treated my employees, how I've treated those who are under my authority. So that's why I need to also go to work and I need to play that note of humility to do my work humbly. But I also, if I'm a supervisor, need to do my work justly and fairly. We need to go to work regardless of who we are and what our position is at work to do our work cautiously because God says I'm watching and I'm going to repay uh, for what he's done and there will be no partiality. And then to do our work expectantly, knowing that the Lord, if we're doing it for him, he'll reward us. And then to also say, I'm going to do my work heartily. I'm really going to put my heart into it. And so whatever God has given you to do, do it for him and to do it sincerely. With It says in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And then to do it conscientiously. Those seven notes, I'm just saying, I think that it will restore the motivation. It'll give you incentive to get up each morning and to go to work with a song in your heart. Maybe you'll even find yourself whistling while you're at work. I want to tell you uh, one last story. It's a true story. It's a very personal story. It's the story of my father, uh, James Morrison. See, my dad uh, was not in the ministry Uh, My dad didn't work uh, in a company. He wasn't a CEO. My dad worked in a factory. But one day when he was at the factory, he was singing a song called He Touched Me, talking about how Christ can touch a life and change a life. And he said he backed up from the machine as he was singing the song He Touched Me. And he said he realized he knew the words to the song, but he didn't know the one the song was about. And he said he invited Jesus Christ into his life right there at work. And I mean, he's on the midnight shift at this particular time in his life. And he said, I remember right after I did it, he said, it's like tears of joy were streaming down his face. And then he heard the supervisor coming into the room and he said, oh, Lord, if it's okay, could we finish what we're doing and let me have some privacy here just for another couple of minutes? And the supervisor, he said, thought of something he forgot and said, oh, I forgot this. And he went back to his office. And so my dad was able to finish 
surrendering his life to Jesus Christ. Do you know what? It totally changed my father. I saw it firsthand. He became a totally different person. You know, I, I remember also after that, my dad always would hug me and let me know he loved me. But I could not have been more proud of my dad than whenever he was invited to be uh, in quality control. It was a step up from just working on the line, right? So they said to my father, they said, James, would you consider being quality control? We've watched your work through the years and we admire your commitment to, to quality, to doing a good job. So my father said, sure, I'll do it. So he had to go through special training. It was really hard for my dad, but he did it. He studied all the workbooks and stuff and he was appointed uh, quality control. But guess what happened in the first month that he was quality control? His uh, supervisor came to him and said, James, uh, we need you to fudge a little bit on the quality control. I know that uh, we don't have all of these ready, but we want you to go ahead and sign off on it as though they were ready. And my dad, because he was a Christian, said, no. He said, if I sign my name to something, it's going to be real. It's going to be genuine. It's going to be done right. And so they said, James, either you're going to do this or you're going to go back to the working on the line. And my dad said, you know what? I want to I wanna do what's right. And so maybe it's better if you put me on the line so that I can make sure the product is produced correctly rather than asking me to lie and to sign a, a paper that says it's done right. You know, I thought to myself, even if my dad would have been the president, I couldn't have been more thankful for him and proud of him than that day when my dad stood for what was right. Wow. You know, I believe that the workplace is a tremendous opportunity for every Christian to live it out. Live it out. Be the man God would want you to be there uh, wherever you work. If you're in a factory, if you're in a corporation, you know, if you're a coach, if you're a carpenter, you know, if you're a, a stay-at-home mom, if you're a teacher, regardless of what you do, why don't you say, God, help me to do my work as unto you. I believe that's the secret to restoring that whistle so that you'll be whistling while you work. Why don't we go to the Lord in prayer? Lord, thank you so much for how practical your word is. It really connects with us, Lord, in real life. And so I pray that, God, you would encourage each one. I have no idea, Lord, what they're facing on the job site. Lord, it may be very stressful. There may be lots of pressures, but I pray that you restore their joy, the joy of their salvation. If they are believers, help them to take into that job, whatever it may be, to take onto the job site their uh, walk with Christ. Let the, the Holy Spirit's fruit be seen in their lives. Let people see the, the genuineness and the integrity. Let them see who you are, uh, where they are. Perhaps it's a very spiritually dark place, but I pray you light it up. So anyway, thank you so much, Lord, uh, for this time that we've shared together. Seal this message to our hearts. May we never forget what you said about how we live for you at work. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. 
I pray that God's blessed you. I pray you'll have a great day and a good week in the Lord. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.